0: Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your co-hosts are Pastor
1: Steve Macias and Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor. You're listening to episode number 89 of the Out of the Question podcast. Hello, Steve. Hey there, Andrea. I think we're in for an important discussion today. So to place this in context, today is March 6, 2020, and what is dominating the news and most conversations is the coronavirus. Now, there are many questions that could be posed to delve into this issue. One of which is this, when society reacts to problems with hysteria rather than calm, who benefits? But another way to look at it is this when hysteria rules rather than God's law word, who are the biggest losers? So it got me thinking you know, we have people saying we should cancel this, cancel that. Are people more afraid of getting ill or even dying than they are of offending the living God?
0: Well, I think they certainly are more afraid of of getting ill or dying. I think that there is a disassociation between the sovereign God of the universe and our individual actions. Uh, Every sickness, every calamity, every tornado, every hurricane should be a reminder of the frailty of the life that we have here, that every day is a gift, a blessing, and that all things are held together um, by our Lord and and Savior, Jesus Christ. And these are gentle reminders and sometimes painful reminders of our sinfulness and our flesh-based existence And so here's just another reminder of us trying to live as though the architect of the universe, our Lord, is not really at work here.
1: Exactly. I think when people hear that we're supposed to be afraid, the reaction of those without faith is understandable. Well, I guess we should be afraid. But what really surprises me is how many professing Christians are undone thinking they have to do something to prevent themselves from getting sick or being exposed to someone rather than examining what god could be doing here right so what do you think god is doing here well i don't want to sound
0: like like pat robertson uh, and say that you know this is this virus is god's curse on any particular sin but we should be thinking about the reality that all sickness, all disease comes from our fallen nature. The, the breakdown of everything in our DNA, of all sickness, of age, of death, all of it comes back down to a simple idea of sin. And I think these times, uh, whether we consider the coronavirus or whatever flu virus was before this or H1N1 or the endless succession of mutated viruses that put the threat of human extinction at the brim uh, are reminders of really the only thing holding human history together is the forward progression of Christ's kingdom. That without that as the railroad tracks of human history, every other worldview and world system is just one sickness, one news story from going over the cliff. If you were to believe CNN or Fox News or all every headline network, there is an asteroid coming or there's a great global warming crisis coming or a new disease. They don't have a hope for the future of the world. And so why do we continually to go continually go to them for advice of how to handle tomorrow? Instead, we should go back to our Lord's promise of victory for us and see that in these sicknesses, the Lord is calling them to turn about, to return back to the Lord and find comfort, grace, peace and salvation, that is, health from him.
1: So, the real question, I think, for believers, and let's face it, that's mostly who listens to this podcast, is, are we prepared to die? And I don't mean necessarily die heroically or dying for a cause, but it could mean that. Should Christians actually be afraid of death?
0: Well, I don't think that there is any time... In history where Christians were not afraid of death. The times where the kingdom of God has been most powerful, so where where God's kingdom has made the largest stride, is when Christians have the greatest fear or threat of death. Meaning that when they were standing before lions, I'm sure every father, mother, and child was afraid of dying. But it is in those circumstances when death is imminent that God is using you to advance the kingdom. So why we shouldn't uh, fear that what's going to happen to us after that? die, we're going to have comfort on the other side. But having the reality of death before you is not necessarily a bad
1: thing. So in California here, right in the heart of Silicon Valley, I'm told, because I haven't been making my pilgrimage to the store, that people are buying up hand wash and toilet paper. Now, somehow or other, toilet paper is going to save people from the coronavirus. But the hypocrisy of it all is that they're all gathered together in these places to accumulate these things, probably putting themselves way more at risk than if they didn't panic. Yes. Well, I think it's
0: largely not in response to the practicality of toilet paper and combating, say, coronavirus. I think that they're looking at what's happened in other news cycles, you know, in Wuhan and China and uh, South Asia in Italy even, where the coronavirus has become more widespread, people are being quarantined in their homes. Uh, In China, there are cases where the roads are being ripped out of the ground, and, and people are being bored in their homes, and there are speaker boxes set up on the street saying, you're not allowed to come out of your homes. And so people here in the United States see those stories, begin to have the same fear that if the disease becomes widespread here, they're facing the same dystopian identity, that they're going to need a a backlog of toilet paper because they might get locked into their houses. There might be martial law called in to rush us, uh, to quarantine us away from uh, this disease. Again, it's this idea that there's some outside force of evil that's going to destroy us if we don't save ourselves. It's a very unchristian idea.
1: Don't you think, though, that a lot of the Media, the, the shows, and I don't watch them, but I see them advertised, and people talk about watching them. Are these very um, definite apocalyptic kind of scenarios where we're looking at the future 20, 40, 50 years down the way, and everything looks like it's a bombed out village, and that people are sort of being set up to think this is the outcome rather than seeing victory the progressing kingdom of God.
0: No, you're absolutely right. It's what Dr. North called government by emergency. So Dr. North has actually a book about how inflation was going to uh, destroy the future of the United States. But he gives a principle that emergency or crisis is a tool that the government will use in order to take control of people. And you can see this in uh, Francis Schaeffer's series. How then shall we then? How shall we then live? He did a, a very great video series a couple decades ago. And the last episode of that series goes into the news cycle and how the modern propaganda, the modern news cycle, is intended to make you fearful of the future. The news cycle will include shootings and disease and the AIDS epidemic and all of these things that are meant to give. Them the sense that there's fear. And the reason why government and propaganda tools want us to be afraid is because then we'll look for other solutions to deliver us from our fear. We'll hand over our own autonomy, our own authority, our own personal responsibility to the state in exchange for their promise to fix these solutions. So by keeping us in a perpetual state of fear, uh, whether it's from viruses or disease or from crime, or whatever it is, foreign occupation, you know, other countries, threat of missiles. Those types of fears coming in day in, day out, are tools used to take and erode personal freedoms and powers.
1: And one of my favorite passages of scripture comes right out of the book of Ecclesiastes right at the end, where the preacher says, let's hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And I say that that's something that most Christians don't put top of their list. And we're even seeing in our community people who are concerned, and even though this is not something that particularly targets children or young people, they're concerned now that if we let people... Congregate anywhere that what they are going to do is compromise the elderly. Yet, we don't seem to have a big concern over euthanasia. We don't seem to have a big concern societally in terms of abortion. And could this not be reaping what our society has sown?
0: Well, it certainly is what our society has sown. I mean, you can see this with every major health crisis. Uh, you, you bring up, you know, television and newscasts. There's uh, one commentator who was lambasting the, the crisis and panic over this, and the coronavirus thing. And he goes through and says, you know, we don't need to worry. We just need to wash our hands. And if you're sick, stay home. Uh, but then on the very same breath goes to, you know, this is all Trump's fault because we don't have the government infrastructure to handle real diseases, or this is all a political problem because if we had correct educational facilities, then we would have solutions to this, or this is all they look for in the times of pandemic uncertainty, they look for ways to insert their own cause or their own excuse in order to get away from the idea that God might be using our own frailty and mortality to remind us of his presence in our life.
1: And I think back, I don't know, it was too long ago when the Green New Deal was being promoted that we have 12 years before, you know, we don't have enough resources for the people. So technically speaking, somebody should be glad about this because if this pandemic is going to reduce the population of the world, that it would fit into their narrative. But the scare tactics You know, Um, it's interesting when I think back on Noah, how long did it take Noah to build that ark?
0: It took him centuries. And it was uh, a period where he is going out every day, building, calling animals and preaching. And for (laughs) these decades upon decades upon decades, he's uh, calling people to come and find salvation or find rescue or coverage in the ark. And he has, Exactly zero converts, his entire lifespan of preaching and building.
1: Right. And then, of course, when it happens, and this is a narrative that's not usually demonstrated properly, when the ark is sealed up by God, do you suppose the people on the outside were rushing to the grocery store to get, you know, toilet paper and hand wash? In other words, they don't live as God says to live. But when something bad happens, they want an immediate remedy. And if anything is obvious, the folks in charge, the status bureaucracy, doesn't have a clue.
0: That's right. And yet we put our hope. I I can imagine the tribal meetings that happened outside of the ark when the rain got to three or four inches tall. And they said, well, maybe maybe Noah had a point. (laughs) Maybe we should start building our own boat. Or could you imagine the conversations that were happening there?
1: Right. I could imagine when I relate this story to children, especially, I don't relate it as a happy clappy story. I mean, there were probably people banging on the outside and screaming and pleading and trying to coerce and manipulate and make those inside feel bad. You know, our ark is Jesus Christ. And we don't have to go head to the hills or whatever. What we do need to do is, is use this as an opportunity where those who thought antinomianism was a viable option to show them that the sovereign Lord is long-suffering, but there are times at which his patience ends.
0: Yes, that's right. And these are also opportunities uh, for, as you mentioned, people who, would typically think this fits their narrative. There was actually a story this morning for the National Health Service. uh, They have a council meeting. One of the Scottish representatives uh, gets up and says, well, maybe the coronavirus uh, will help us because it'll alleviate some of those people who are blocking beds in the National Health Service. This is an official who sees the deaths that could be related to the coronavirus as fitting right in with what you're talking about. But most people Will not see that logical conclusion. You're fond of quoting the scripture where it says, You know, those who hate me love death. That's what you're going to see here. They're not going to choose the Lord, even in the case of the mortality. They'll look for anything else to love, even death, in order to escape what the Lord's attempting to reveal through sickness.
1: And very little is being said in terms of how to be healthier. I was having a conversation with some young people who were semi on the brink of hysteria because their parents were basically telling them maybe we should cancel this or cancel that. And I acquainted them with the reality of vitamin C being an antiviral, getting enough sleep, being something that helps your immune system. And then I said, and of course, reducing or eliminating sugar in your diet because that compromises your immune system and almost in a unison voice, they said, no way. In other words, we're not going to give up sugar. And mm. interestingly enough, our God has prepared our bodies to be able to fight disease. But if you won't listen, then you're at the mercy of those who don't have your best interest in mind.
0: Yes. Well, there, there's impending ecological crises happening like this all over the world, and the amount of them and the severity of these pandemics is not going to decrease in the near future, right? This is not going to be, the coronavirus should not be a surprise. Anybody who studied Joel Salatin or looks at the the practices of corporate farming will see that we are doing things in our generation, shortcuts that ignore God's uh, God's love, that have created super viruses. We've given uh, pesticides to our our gardens, we've given uh, antivirals and antibacterials to our livestock, and we've created a lot of the problems that we're now suffering. Uh, God's law had solutions for how we should properly maintain the land and steward the animals, but the point is we should not be surprised when these new viruses show up. One, because they're, they're rooted in the sinfulness of creation, the curse from the fall of Adam, but two, and they're The the restoration of the world requires all of the life to be in subordination to God's law. And so when you see nations destroying their own ecology, when you see nations farming without regard for the life or the health of the animals, when you see individuals not taking general nutrition into uh, into, into the care of their own bodies, sickness will abound. And again, this is a reminder of restoring back to creation the goodness by obeying God's law.
1: Right, and all of God's law. Um, The part that even many have relegated to background material, and if you have nothing else to read, read that first two-thirds of the book. But God's law, as it's expounded in the case laws referring back to the Ten Commandments, is very specific on things that I think most pulpits don't want to talk about things like menstrual cycles and things like what happens after someone gives birth and what foods are foods that are beneficial and what foods would not be beneficial. Um, Mm. I, I think this is an opportunity for those of us who get it to be able to say Deuteronomy 28 is a very, very specific litany of what happens with those who obey and what happens with those who don't.
0: Right well, and it's part of our culture's attempt to separate the physical world from the spiritual world right god 's law merges these things together and says, not only is the Lord's spirit dwelling above the above the surface of the world. not only is God here alongside us and indivisible with us, but that all of our actions have spiritual consequences, and all of our actions have physical consequences. Too many Americans live every day like what they eat, what they do, how they sleep, how they how they take medicine is of the body, and then how they pray, how they worship, how they read the Bible is of the spirit. Um, But in moments like this, you see that there is an integration of uh, mind, body, and spirit, of the physical world and the spiritual world. And you'll see that cultures that do not heed the Lord's spiritual guidance, the, the laws, the commandments, they will suffer in body as well.
1: Right. It reminds me of when Jesus is confronted with the question as to who sinned, this man or his parents. And Jesus made reference to obviously an event where a whole tower had fallen down. In other words, instead of asking who's to blame, which is what people tend to want to do, that goes back to the garden. Jesus's answer was, learn, be prepared. Are you walking with God or not. And that what you should be afraid of is being outside the will of God.
0: That's right. Well, and to remember kind of a historical perspective, Christianity and the West uh, should have been wiped out by the bubonic plague, right? Entire cultures were destroyed. Entire uh, lineages of Western thought were just wiped out by, by the plague. And while this disease went from rats to fleas to people and and people didn't know where it was coming from, some thought it was the curse of God in individual communities. You know, I think something like half the population or two thirds of the population of Europe was wiped away. You would think uh, that that would destroy Western Christendom, but instead it gave us an opportunity to take a deeper look and say, what's going on? here? How can we change our lives spiritually and how can we change our lives physically to fight back on this? All of today, what we consider modern medicine can go back to this hardship just you know a few centuries ago where we established uh, the front lines of nursing, of medicine, of, of modern approaches to understanding how bacteria and viruses work. But the Lord used these as opportunities not to destroy his church, but to refine it and to grow it, to prosper, to bring it from where it was in the medieval period to something even better. And so we should look at today as the same opportunity. Instead of trying to escape the consequences, we should do like those who fought the first plagues. We should say, though I pick up snakes and they bite me, I shall not die. I should go into these houses uh, of people with plagues, serve them, trust the Lord. The same thing's happening today with coronavirus. Instead of retreating, trying to find somebody to blame, finding political solutions, What if we took seriously the call that God's word applies to every area of our life and say, Coronavirus, you know, this is a piece in the long thousands of years of history of Western Christendom. And I want to be remembered as the part of the church that responded to this, not in fear, but with the vision of victory to say, Not even the coronavirus can stop the progression, the triumph, the marching on of God's church on earth. We're going to remember this time as though. The doctor said, this is the end of the world. And the Christian said, no, this is where we remember and call upon the Lord. And he answered our prayers.
1: Exactly. So instead of head to the hills or head to your own house and lock the door and don't interact with people, we should be doing just the opposite, helping the widow, the orphan, the person in distress as members of the body of Christ and be a manifestation that says, okay, maybe we will, maybe you or I will get this virus. All right. And maybe it will be a sickness unto death, but for the person who really is walking in faith, the next destination after my death here is something that we should be looking forward to. For me, you know, to die is gain but there's too many people who are more afraid of being sick or losing their job or whatever it is than pleasing God and being prepared to hear, well done, good and faithful servant.
0: Right. And the reality is, as, as terrible as this virus may be, you know, even if it's the worst possible thing, if it's, the, if it's Ebola times a million, even if this winds up killing two thirds of the population the people who are telling you information about it, the news, the politicians, they do not have your best interest in mind. They are not telling you to wash your hands because they're concerned about you and your family. They are using this as an excuse to gain control over your family, over your finances, over how you control yourselves. Now, I'm speaking as somebody who worked as a press secretary in the state of California. This is an issue what we would call, you know, making hay. When any type of crisis comes up, uh, we dealt with droughts. We dealt with uh, illiteracy. We dealt with shortages in healthcare, with illegals voting. Anytime a crisis comes up, the government's not looking to solve the crisis. The government is looking to make hay while the sun shines, to use that crisis to grow its own authority, persuasion, and power. And so every time you hear CNN say, health crisis, coronavirus, you need to be skeptical of what they're saying because they're using that information not to keep you healthy, but to take your own authority away from you to say, this is what you should be doing. Uh, It's going to be the tool they use to usher in eventual anarchy. Uh, Now, I don't know if coronavirus, but they're going to use pandemics, sicknesses, disorder, to encourage anarchy, lawlessness, breakdown of economic structures as an excuse for them as the state, as the government does, the authority to take away from you your individual autonomy.
1: And just think of how far we've come. Our first president of the republic, George Washington, called for days of prayer and fasting. Now it's mocked by the media if a government official says we're going to pray and ask God to be merciful. And so I'll believe the heralds, when their first thing is, may we all repent of our sins, repent of the millions of children, more so than have died currently with the coronavirus, who were killed in the womb, those whose lives were massacred because of their faith in China. It's interesting that China has a reputation for calling down all its statist forces against the church. And this was the nation that had this one child, now has a two-child policy, which meant if you had more than one or two, you either um, went ahead and aborted that child or abandoned that child. So if you're going to look at cause and effect, we would have to, with a biblical perspective, say, this is a nation that in the midst of people coming to terms with what God requires, this nation was coming down on them. So maybe this will be the blessing the church in China needs because the statists are proving they can't handle it.
0: And they could never handle it. The the state is never going to be the source of health, of blessing, of curing diseases. As much as uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump will get up there and say, we're going to fund the research to put an end to cancer, the state is not the source of health. Uh, The state's not the source of curing diseases. And you can see this most clearly in the first case of coronavirus that showed up in North Korea. You know, North Korea has one case of coronavirus show up immediately. The solution from the state, and this is going to be a solution everywhere eventually, is they shoot the person who is uh, diagnosed with coronavirus. There you go. That's the only tool the state has, the sword, to punish. And so when they move away from God's law and God's standards of justice and morality, then they're just left with executing those who they can't control.
1: And I don't want anybody who's listening to think that we're fatalistic. In other words, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, what we need to do is to be knowledgeable about those who have done godly research. Um, I'm part of a woman's Bible study that we do online, and these women are all sharing information, vitamin C, things that you can do to actually combat it if you get it, or things you can do, essential oils, things that people laugh about. But what my experience is, the people who are least afraid are the people who have always been living in such a way as to say, how can we think God's thoughts after him in terms of how to be healthier and how to maintain the health of my family?
0: And that's kind of the call of the Christian family, where the father is to be a shepherd of his family, uh, the call of the Christian church to shepherd the truth correctly. Uh, Dr. Rushtany he was, was fond of using this illustration. and You can see it in a lot of other Reformed theologians of the good shepherd that we see Jesus called. Was a good shepherd because he cared for not only, you know, the, the protection from the wolves, but also the health and safety of the sheep inside of the pen. And so the, the Lord himself has promised to give us peace, to protect us, to uh, be with us always, even to the end of age. And yet we look for other shepherds. We want the shepherd of the state, the shepherd of the government, the shepherd of the CDC to care for us, to make sure we're healthy. Um, but that's really the opposite of what we should be doing. We should be going back to the Lord, to his word, to his ways. Now, all of that is true, but there's also a sense here uh, that these opportunities, these crises are great opportunities for the Christian church to stand up and to, as Andrea said, call for repentance, call for public days of fasting, and to recognize that the only health, the saving health of all nations is the Lord.
1: And to show that we don't fear the fear that we're seeing so prevalent, that's not the fear we're directed in Scripture. Scripture says, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. So if we fear the consequences of disobedience, and the Bible is very, very specific what those consequences are, we're going to change our attitudes, we're going to change what we say, what we think, and what we do. And that's why the idea of christian education is so important it's not just so that we can stop those bad guys from trying to get our kids involved with sex earlier it's that what these what are happening in these godless institutions are not solutions they're just preparing people for the idea that they have to not take responsibility for themselves and look to someone else and so The whole idea of reclaiming the family, reclaiming the church as the institutions and what God has said that both these institutions should do is a great first step that says, we're here to serve God and we're here for the long haul.
0: That's right. And that this is a a very subversive act. You know, one of the questions that came in that kind of started this conversation was, you know, should Should we declare martial law to keep this from spreading? Should we be sequestering ourselves? Should we do something? Should the states do something to keep Christians and non-Christians from getting sick in this pandemic spreading? And I think the problem with Americans today is they're so disassociated from biblical law, from the faith of our founders, from the faith of Western uh, Western civilization, that they automatically default and begin to think like the enemies of God. When sickness comes, our first thought is not, how do we get the Lord to be on our side? Our first thought is, how can we control other people to behave in our best interest? How can we get the state to deprive other people of their freedom so that we can be protected? We've begun to think like the enemy because we side with the enemy more than we side with our Lord.
1: So maybe this is radical Rather than retreating from your brothers and sisters, find out if they need help. Come together in prayer and recognize that this is an opportunity. You know, it would have been very easy for the Israelites not to leave Egypt until such time as the plagues that they had experienced along with the Egyptians suddenly were localized. So let's face it, folks. We may be in the process of experiencing the joint judgment But those who are drawn to faith and obedience will exit in a way that those who said, nope, we're not going to listen, and their hearts remained hardened, that um, we'll see how things play out. But we have biblical history to show us how things have played out in the past.
0: And not just biblical history, but also Christian history. Um, Let's not detach That our Lord Christ is still in control of history and has used wars, famine, and sickness to move forward his church. If we go back to the Reformation, what made the Reformation possible was not only a return to the printing press, a return to the classics, a spark of genius amongst Calvin and Luther, but also that the West was suffering under the plague. There was a great economic depression because of sickness and dearth. The powers of the West had been succumbed by that. And then on the eastern side of, of Germany, the eastern side of Europe, there is the Muslims. The, the Muslims were coming in and trying to take over. And it was in this kind of crucible of crisis, sickness on the western border, invaders on the eastern border, that they said, what is the Lord trying to show us? And, and it is in that time that they go back, what does the scripture say? It's, it's like, you know, King Josiah saying, wasn't there a book of laws that, that helped us get through this into the next point of the future? So instead of us going back and, and into crisis mode of what are we going to do today, think of the longer span of history where our Lord is ruling with his scepter over the timeline of centuries and millennia and saying, remember in the year 2020 when everybody thought the world was going to come to to an end because they didn't have a vaccine yet for the coronavirus? And remember how the the economy suffered and all those people who had put their faith in the worldly structures of inflation, of the worldly structures of government schools, and the worldly structures of secular employment. Those people who put their faith in the things of this world suffered with this world. But those of us who went back to God's law and remembered that God had a standard for our education, for our business, for our families. Once that vaccine came, we exploded and and we grew and we multiplied and we took dominion in a way that had never been done. And since 2020, the world has seen that Christians have not just a faith out of this world, but a faith for
1: this world. For those who might say, well, my history, my church history is pretty deficient. Do you have any recommendations in terms of reading material that would give the kind of perspective you're sharing?
0: If you read Rushduni's Christianity and the State, he goes through both the early church uh, with the doctrine of the Incarnation, how the early church understood Jesus taking on the worlds of the first few centuries. And then he goes through and shows how uh, the the errors of Roman Catholicism and, and different movements in history, how they were battling the same type of thing, control versus biblical law, the state versus God's people.
1: And one thing that I might also advise is that people begin to understand how viruses work. You know, if you know anything about the story of the Trojan horse, it's how something comes in without looking like a threat, but while people are either entertaining themselves to death or ignoring the signs that the enemy is multiplying. And a virus needs a host, and that host has to have compatible situation for that, that virus to thrive. So there are many people who could well be exposed to the coronavirus but never succumb to it because their immune system is good.
0: Yes, and uh, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That applies to all things, created and uncreated, visible and invisible. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.